Best of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Monday's here. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Hope you're all right. Hope you're shaking the cobwebs off, or they're all off by now. With the uh, the the, we, you know, we've never really gotten into that. Should today be a holiday or not? It's kind of a holiday for us because we get to talk uh, one last day about uh, football and. Uh, what a classic it turned into with Super Bowl 58. Plenty of thoughts there. A lot of Chiefs lovers, a lot of Chiefs <clears throat> haters to no my comment. left. No comment. No comment as Elijah's going to keep his head as, down today. As the, as the resident Chiefs hater, I will and be your, your impartial birthright today. Is, your birthright is okay as such as being a Denver guy. I promise that I will put professionalism over personal feelings today. I'll believe it. For the most part. Mix mix in some of the personal uh, uh, toughness there. Connor, uh, you doing all right? Everybody get fat and full last night? Did did everyone pig out appropriately? Yes, very, very much so. I I was very impressed with my college friend group's spread because, you know, we're all college students. We're all cheap when it comes to... Top ramen? Zero ramen, actually. We had... Taco dip, which I made, which was awesome. I'm not biased. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> um, one of my friends made mac and cheese, homemade, which was great. Uh, we had buffalo chicken quesadillas as well. Ooh. Like, we, we had some good stuff going on. Buffalo so, chicken quesadillas, that's oh, yeah. innovative. They were, they were really good. See, I made the buffalo chicken dip yesterday, and it turned out fantastic. But buffalo chicken quesadillas were, is something I've yeah. never even thought of making. We echoing uh, Brandon is giving us an audio. What the hell uh, in the stream? Mm-hmm. We'll do our first roll call here coming up here in a little bit. But lot to get into aside from the food choices. We want to hear what you ate on Super Bowl Sunday. Do so in the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Hail Varsity Radio Twitter. Twitter. Give us a follow there at H Varsity Radio. Can find Elijah on Twitter at. Herbal Essence at Connor. His Twitter is at C underscore Clark underscore 27 at Schmidt underscore radio for me, Chris Schmidt. So we'll dive into the Super Bowl. Plenty of thoughts as we hear from Nebraska's quarterback, Coach Glenn Thomas. He met the media today. Uh, How much uh, smoke slash worry did you uh, absorb this weekend as a Nebraska fan with UCLA and Tony White? The coast is clear, thankfully, as the Bruins hired Deshaun Foster. And Nebraska basketball, the women were excellent. They were incredible. It was such a scene. And we'll, we'll get there before we hit Super Bowl. And just a couple of thoughts in, in this video and, and footage captured on the Hale Varsity social media channel of, of Coach Amy Williams. Uh, kind of around mid-court. And, Elijah, you and I had a chance to do the Southwest Girls Saturday night with Kennedy, her daughter, just a, a stud ball player uh, for Southwest as they beat uh, number three in the state, North Star. And to see her daughter jump into her mom's arms at mid-court, that, that footage captured with, with tears in each other's eyes, just the... The joy of the moment taken down number two, a family affair. That was special. It was special to hear Matt Coatney's call 
enjoy. It was special to see all the Nebraska fans get there on the court and show up in droves and all the folks that that came out to see the uh, the show that is Caitlin Clark uh, put on uh, a great performance, except in the fourth quarter when Nebraska locked her down, held her to 0 for 6, went uh, box in 1, and uh, the Huskers crawled back from 14 down. It was absolutely magic. The, the game itself, national audience, Holly Rowe was there, Fox National was there, the who's who covering uh, sports of that magnitude there to see Caitlin maybe break the record. But what are we talking about is, yes, a big win for Nebraska. Yes, the joy of uh, another court storming. I mean, it led all sports centers as I was driving up and back from Omaha. I was listening to our friends at 590, and they, they had, uh, you know, Sports Center leading into Super Bowl coverage. And, I mean, that, that led, that was, I shouldn't say led, it was Super Bowl and then bang. Uh, did, did Caitlin get the record? No. Nebraska, monster comeback. And, you know, Nebraska was, was front and center. It was, it was really a, a cool moment for Nebraska athletics yet again. But you, you go to the social media side of things. And two things dominated social media aside from from Taylor Swift yesterday. It was the Super Bowl, and at least locally here, it was Iowa's coach Lisa Bluter losing her absolute mind. It, it, and you know we can we can arm wrestle this topic. Who had a worse meltdown yesterday? Was it Iowa's coach? Or was it Travis Kelsey trying to put Big Red in a body cast in the first <laughs> quarter? That's 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 a fair question. But here is uh, Lisa Bluter uh, interrupting Alexis Markowski, trying to speak lovingly about her father and our dear friend Andy Markowski. I had a lot of special moments with my dad. We got a yeah. flight to catch. You know, I won several states. This, this is not a Big Ten protocol. I don't know what's worse, playing music while you shoot free throws or delaying your flight. Uh, you want to talk about heat of the moment, needing to be better, frustrated that you blew a 14-point lead, frustrated you lost to Nebraska. I think Markowski, uh, I think I saw this tweet, uh, and Andy may have said it on, on Herd at Sports this morning. He joined uh, Damon and Robbie. <laughs> Nebraska had been 0-7 for I mean, this this core group, this good group that Amy Williams has had been, and everyone's had a tough time beating Iowa during the Clark era. But man, for for the head coach to act like a two year old, and and listen, I I wasn't there. Uh, I I didn't cover that event yesterday. But man, it sounds like it was just kind of pandemonium after the game, and and both teams kind of took their time. And Nebraska was af- Nebraska was ready first, typically. The visiting team's head coach, and if a player or two is available, they're up first for the post game. But I don't think it was anything intentional by Nebraska. Nebraska has always done and always will run top notch, um, you know, events. They they just do. They just do from a from a media standpoint. They're they're the they're the standard for sports information and for for that to be caught and interrupt the press conference and trying to storm in. This is what I'm gathering. Awful, awful look. And for her, we got a plane to, I mean, just freaking out. And I know, listen, they're college students. They're on a timeline. Got to get them back to Iowa city. I, I understand all that, but I, but what this sounded like to me was just raw emotion of 
being PO'd. You lost. You lost to Nebraska. You lost a 14-point lead. And you uh, you weren't in the mood for any no. This, this straw that breaks the camel's back. If you, you've all had a, a bad day where a minor inconvenience comes up. And someone's and it, the uh, target to take it out on. Yes. <laughs> that, that's what this feels like. So my reaction, for the most part, wah, wah. Like, okay, they were in the media room when you wanted to be in the media room. This is not a big deal. Like, they took a long time on the court, Nebraska did. They had their celebration in the locker room. They show up to the media room, and, oh, nobody's here. How are you not ready? Uh, Yeah, what? Nobody's here. I guess we're ready to go then. We're going to go take the stage. Also, deal with it. They're not going to miss their flight. I mean, they're going to wait for you. Yeah, you like, think? like what? What do you think they're go- they're going to do? Leave Iowa and like leave the head coach and like No. Well, well one of the things that's, that's like, not happen. with these teams is they're not like it's it's not all football where everyone's flying private. And I don't actually know the situation with Iowa's plane whether they're flying public or whether I'm, they're flying I'm half surprised you're flying from Iowa City to Lincoln. To be honest, I would highly doubt they're flying commercial. That's what, really, yeah, especially if highly. I would think so too. That short a flight. And the player that you have on your roster, sure, that's true. You're not you're not sticking that team out. I mean, of State Farm's going to pick that tab yeah, up. <laughs> come on, they are not flying commercial. There's no way. I'd be I'd be really surprised. I I wouldn't be surprised if they were flying commercial, but I don't actually know. The Four situation. eight nine twelve four. <laughs> <laughs> Is Does I would like commercial. commercial. <laughs> 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 How cheap is a, the University of Iowa athletic department? You, Give well, us a call. <laughs> they're not. They don't have to be with with Clark. But I just thought that was awful. And I, I'm going to have to side with the Iowa coaches' outburst being less offensive to me than than Travis Kelsey. Really? I think Kelsey is as much as he's dominated the playoffs as well as he's performed. Oh, right on cue. We have a phone call. Okay. Yeah. I, I think him bumping Big Red and screaming at his coach, I still can't get used to that. If Mahomes does it, is there this reaction? Well, Mahomes hasn't. Mahomes bumped, hasn't. Hasn't hasn't bumped his coach and and like pretty much about four gallons of saliva with just the forcefulness of the put me in the bleeping game. I, his motive isn't wrong for wanting to be a difference maker in Super Bowl 58. I, I understand it. And Coach Reed is calm, cool, collected, and, and not angry about it. Like, he, he'll have his talking to. The apologies were exchanged between Kelsey and Big Red. Totally get it. But in that moment, man, that would derail a lot of teams from bad to worse where you're scuffling. They were strong enough to withstand that. Patrick Mahomes was incredible. And uh, the old mobile quarterback comes back to strike, <laughs> right, where Mahomes gets enough uh, yardage on the scramble to, to really kind of spark the offense and then make his plays. But I thought I thought Kelsey losing it on big red like that and then bumping him almost knocked down a 300-plus guy. Well, my, my thing is, is this is different at the high school level. This is different at the college level. I mean, Travis Kelsey is a guy that has won you two Super Bowls. And was not being utilized correctly to start that game. You can see the, the difference in his stats from the first half to the second half and how different the Chiefs' offense looked. Does, is the way he go about it, did it leave something to be desired? Yeah, but I think one of the issues is a lot of people don't look – or they, they, they kind of put their own personal sports experience, which is much lower than these guys ever have, into this moment. Like, Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid – 
there's still the coach-player relationship, but at the NFL level, it is more co-worker than what you think of with a high school coach or a college coach kind of being the, the leader of men. And it's, it's closer to co-workers. No, I, and, no, I don't, and, you're, like, you're absolutely right, but you still don't want to take a trip to, to go see who's the guy in the office, Toby. You don't want to go see Toby in HR because you screamed at a co-worker. I think the big thing, it was like... It's about the moment, though. It was 3 nothing. Like, that that's the one thing I have a problem with. I'm like, dude, it's <laughs> not like you're down and, 17 zip. Like, I get it's a Super Bowl. Emotions are running high. Clearly, that's the type of, like, it's a very back-and-forth relationship between Andy Reid and some of his players. I totally get that. Like, that's totally cool. They're going to have disagreements. I don't really have a problem with Travis Kelsey and or Patrick Mahomes discussing their displeasure with what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, maybe you don't make contact with them, but I don't really... It's it's not the end of the world for me that Travis Kelsey's yelling at his head coach because it wasn't a shove. It wasn't a a a takedown, but it was it was a check. Yeah, and that that that's where the the physical part is. Yeah, yell and scream, fine, whether it's an inch away or or, or five feet away, but the contact on top of it, it's like he was. You're looking at my gal. <laughs> I mean, it was it was seek and destroy in a bar. But I think if there's anyone on the Chiefs who has earned that right, it's Kelsey along with Mahomes to really voice their frustration. Those does two anyone, guys are, are does the anyone ever have that right to go undress their coach? They're still an authority figure. They're still an authority Tom figure, Brady. but I think it is different. But him, like, and, him and Bill O'Brien would scream and yell and, and, and spike iPads, true. but they never got physical. Now there's three 300-pound guys between them to keep it from going <laughs> there. Oh, Billy O'Brien would have gouged out Tommy B's eyes. It, but did anyone get mad at Tom Brady? I, I see these situations as almost identical. It's frustration on the sideline. Bill O'Brien went to coach Penn State shortly thereafter. Yeah, and we all blamed Bill O'Brien for being the, the issue within that offense. Like, like nobody blamed Tom Brady in that moment. I think Travis Kelsey's kind of earned the right to voice his frustration. This comes from a Chiefs hater. I'd love to hate on the Chiefs in this moment and say, Travis, he's wrong. What a loser. It's The emotions are running high. It's the Super Bowl. It's one of the most important games these people ever play in their lifetime. And I think Travis is trying to, like, he's emotional. He's been playing on the, in the game. Be emotional. Don't make contact. Totally showing up your coach. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair take. I, I think if Travis go back, he wouldn't. They've apologized. Make They've they're, apologized. They're arm in arm. They're probably shotgun and beers right now. Exactly. I don't, I, I, yeah. I, there's no bad. Blood. I think the it's been over overplayed. Okay. How, how big this situation is? But, we just spent five minutes talking. The, the about look, here. the look was was awful. It's it's water the bridge because they won. But guess what? If they don't win in overtime, that's a monster talking point today. The uh, the wins curing curing all. Is, uh, is kind of important. Let's get to the roll call. Our starting five here in the stream. Uh, we say what's up to the fi- first five listeners that uh, sit, hang out with us in the stream and all the other folks that uh, come in and are a part of the show here on Hale Varsity with the YouTube channel, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, Mike uh, Corgan checks in first and love his quote from Gordy Howe, all hockey players are bilingual. They know English and profanity. Uh, Brian Snitley in second. Uh, Brandon Smith. What's up, Brandon? Jeff Snitley. So both members of the Boulder Tree Speedy. What? The Boulder Peace Treaty. You said Tree Speedy. Are in. Uh, <laughs> Brennan checks in from the Black Hills. Chuck in at six. Uh, Jeff, seven. Andrew in at eight. And the artist formerly known 
as KG Kids for Life in at nine. We'll take more of your comments. Anonymous is in. Uh, echoes fixed. Give us, okay, yes, much better. Apparently about 15 minutes ago, the echoes got fixed. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, KG Kids for Life. Big Ten Protocol was an adult movie from 1984. <laughs> Thank you for that, KG Kids for Life. Starring who? Mm, we're not going. We're not going there. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> stick to sports. <laughs> Elijah votes for stick to sports on a Monday. All right. Let's. Uh, Let's talk some more. Glenn Thomas, audio on the way. Tony White thoughts. More on the Super Bowl tale varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 489 1240, 489 1240, or 800 825 5865. You can email Chris at HaleVarsityYouTube or jump into the stream. Hale Varsity YouTube, subscribe to it. Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt. So we have uh, some comments there on the Kelsey and Reed interaction. And uh, this was pretty funny by Danny. Danny chimes in here on the stream. Iowa Sports took. So many hits with losses and memes over the past week that I'm truly concerned about their mental stability. <laughs> they were talking about Iowa football on the Nickelodeon broadcast last night, apparently. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they did. They Nola did. Noah Eagle said uh, in Iowa they call punting winning. <laughs> in the well, there's, there's T-shirts. Yeah. Uh, Vic from uh, Denver weighs in. Dang, Schmitty, a little bump in your up in arms. Guy was... Uh, Supposed to say pissed, I think. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> 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 Miss Spell was was ticked and was sounding off. I guess he should have sent him some flowers in a note. No, it's it's a little. It's more than a bump to move Andy Reid. But it, it wasn't malicious. I, that's the best way. And I, also, I, Travis Kelsey I realize, bumping him. I realize that word. Yeah, Travis Kelsey's a large guy playing a physical game. There was no maliciousness to the contact. If he goes up there and two hand shoves Andy Reid. Completely different. It wasn't malicious. He was trying to show him that he was uh, upset. Let's pray, let's pray they're not down, uh, you know, seventeen nothing in next year's Super Bowl. Then, <laughs> then it might get. If it was, if it gets malicious, I'll be the first person to say that's inappropriate. That's wrong. Let's get Travis Kelsey out of the league. I think it into falls into the category of inappropriate. I'm, pushing the limits. Yeah, on most staffs, See, in most areas. The the Andy reads Andy reads the difference. The, he can handle it. He has handled it. The behavior that is expected, I think, from NFL players is different than what's expected at your office job or your radio job or, or whatever. And I, I think in that moment, you have to. if it happens in a preseason game, if that exact moment happens in a preseason game, as I said earlier, I'm going to be the first person to say that is wrong. It's messed up. Travis Kelsey is completely in the wrong here. It wasn't malicious contact. I don't think he meant to, to bump into Andy Reid like that. He's just emotional. And it's, it's, I, I don't fault him for being emotional in one of the biggest games that you'll ever play in, in your life. Be emotional. Voice your displeasure. The spike re- another helmet. The, 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 the real- rebuttal to that, though, is that it's not like this is the first time he's ever been playing in a Super Bowl. Like, there is an element to acting like you've been there before, but, but, which he has. Or being down. But, but for all you know, Bowl. this could be the last time you're ever playing in a Super that Bowl. That is true. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like this is his one and only shot to get a ring, right? Like, he's been there before, maybe act like it a little bit more. I think both of you bring up very valid points. Like, I'm kind of in the middle here. But, again, 
It's it's not like this is the first time Travis Kelsey's ever sniffed a championship game. Larry Larry has info on the uh, the Iowa flight home about oh. about uh, Coach Lisa's plane to catch. The flight is never delayed. It sits in the airport on the south side of the tarmac. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you, Larry, for that clarification. Let's go to the Super Bowl here. And well, the, the the bigger talking point that I think we should be hitting today, which it's it's been hit a decent amount. Travis Kelsey, obviously being Taylor Swift's boyfriend, going to get some headlines. <laughs> but Kyle Shanahan, that second half, man, like, like I think I, I feel for 49ers fans because Kyle Shanahan did not put his team in a position to win that game in multiple ways, from kind of abandoning the run in the third quarter, uh, taking, taking the, the ball first toss, in overtime. Yeah. Like, that was there, there is a lot of blame that falls on Kyle Shanahan's feet, especially given his history, blowing 28-3. to 0-3 with 10-plus point leads. Yeah, being outscored. I think the number across his three Super Bowls is 72-28 to 28 following halftime. No good. And we'll talk with Jay Moore in hour two, uh, former NFLer. Listen, I, I thought they went back to McCaffrey in the second half to get in better position. And I thought they weren't afraid with Pretty letting it fly. I think you should have been a little more afraid, though. But <laughs> Kansas City just did what they do. They hung around and then they, they capitalized. It was little things that turned into big things. I mean, Kansas City... They turned the ball over. They're, they're, they're vulnerable. Look at the Raider loss at home. That was like rock bottom for them. And what happened? They had a, a slew of turnovers that day. San Fran forced some turnovers. They forced the turnover going in to go up 7-3. to three. Kansas City turned away. They also got a pick of the opening drive of the third quarter. That, a lot of times, zaps your momentum. That, that third quarter drive is so important as Kansas City was going to try and tie the thing. They got the field goal before the half, the middle eight, as Coach Rule likes to talk about, and a lot of coaches do. So the Niners' defense and their, their pass rush and Bosa and, and Chase were, were good. Randy had some good moments for for the um, 49ers. But unfortunately for the 49ers, in the crucial moments, their pass rush went away. Fourth quarter, overtime, almost non-existent. Well, the quarterback run game was a difference. Quarterback run game was a difference, but I still look at Shanahan – how in a game where you have the lead for most of it, does Brock Purdy have 38 passing attempts? Like, McCaffrey got 22 attempts. That's a solid number. But you had the lead most of the way. Did he have 10 catches, too? Uh, or eight? He had eight receptions. So he had 30 touches. Uh, he had eight receptions plus 22 carries, 30 touches. That's, that's a good number. Your second leading rusher on the day was Brock Purdy. I know Debo's been dealing with an injury through most mm-hmm. of the postseason. George Kittle is also more. non-existent, too, for most of that KC's game. KC's back uh, seven's money. They're so good. They are, but that's why I'm concerned with Brock Purdy having 38 passing attempts in a game that you're leading. No, I don't disagree. But he is. this is not an excuse. This is, he is what he is. He still wants to throw the football. He doesn't – maybe, maybe in, in these past failures – where you, you, you lost to the Niners back in 19, up double digits. You're up 28-3 to on, on, on the Patriots. Maybe he was afraid to, to play not to lose, and he wasn't going to change his offense and just keep doing what you're doing. I'm trying to give the guy an out, but 0-3 is bad. You're a great, great roster, great drafting, wonderful development. I mean, the Jennings kids, a seventh-round pick, they, they, they do well if they bring you into San Francisco. This another, is just tough to, to get over. Another devil's advocate take here for defending Shanahan, and I said this to Elijah earlier before we get on, is all three of these losses, when it's all said and done, 
could potentially come to the top two quarterbacks to ever play the game. And I know that's not taking away, like, yeah, he's he struggled. Consider coaching, the circumstance. But, yeah, like, consider the competition that he's going up against, too. That's pretty remarkable to think about, that twice against Patrick Mahomes and obviously the 28-3 the blown lead against Brady. I would choose to look at it that way if I'm management. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's anywhere else. If, I, if I'm a we, Niner fan, well, actually, that's not we, true. We, we'd be upset, but well, you well, know, it was to Mahomes and it was to Brady. On the other side, I think one thing can be the nail in the coffin for Shanahan. It would have been nice to have fourth and goal from the five in overtime, knowing exactly what you needed, having the ball second. Oh, I mean, details? Little details like that. Knowing the the yeah. right strategy to employ in the overtime of Super Bowl is to take, uh, now with the new rules, I should say, where both teams are guaranteed a possession no matter what happens, the right move 10 times out of 10 times is to take the ball second. So if you have the ball fourth and three from midfield, it's know not decision time. Know, know what you got to do. It's not decision time. It's easy. Or Fourth and goal from the five. Oh, we're down by three. Let's take the points. Or fourth and goal from the five. Patrick Mahomes just went and scored a touchdown. We need a touchdown. It makes things easy for you. That is the biggest nail in the coffin to Kyle Shanahan and his late game management. I can maybe excuse away the other things with Brock Purdy, all his attempts, going away from the, the run game for about half of the third quarter. I can't excuse that decision at the end. And that, when combined with Kyle Shanahan's other late game strategies, makes me put this loss on Kyle Shanahan. Maybe Very he fair. should play from behind more often, considering the first two playoff games. I mean, <laughs> that, that play style certainly seems to work well, out. Well, Romo was chirping all second half about got to run the football, got to run the football. And. Guys just sometimes, and I don't know if this is Shanahan's case or not, but you got to keep flexing that big brain. Here's my, uh, here's my playbook. Here's my creativity. Here's how smart I am. And sometimes ego gets in the way. And I don't know if that was last night or he just was in some weird headspace of, of what to do, knowing that they'd coughed up two 10-point leads under his watch before. But it's a trend now at this point. It's a Beyond. trend. Like, I think Kyle Shanahan is a great coach, one of the best in the <clears throat> NFL. But that trend of blowing Super Bowls late is a reputation that's going to stick with you. It's something that's going to stick with me. If the 49ers are ever in the Super Bowl again, you better believe I'm taking the opponent's second half line. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the sportsbook Strictly live bet at halftime. Just, just the second half, I have no confidence in Kyle Shanahan. It's become a trend, and I, I don't think it's at the point where – 49ers fans or management are ready to say, you know what, this guy can't get it done in the big moment. He's, but it's in the back of my mind. That, oh, you, that, that You know what? Once this guy gets to a Super Bowl, he makes boneheaded decisions from the sideline. That, that's what I think Kyle Shanahan is right now. And I think that's a reputation that's going to stick with you. I think he's good enough to go get a Super Bowl victory. I think he's had good enough teams to have a Super Bowl victory by now. But the simple fact of the matter is, is he hasn't gotten that Super Bowl done. And it's because of his own coaching mistakes. It pains me that he lost to Matt Nagy. <laughs> let's, let's, let's flip this around for a moment and, and get on to Mahomes and his greatness and just the, the feel he has in the moment, in the big games, the ice water, how calm and cool he is, just the perfect hand and glove him and Reed have been, and just the, the plays he makes. And, and I go back to using his feet with the, the, the zone read. He ripped off for 22 yards, keeping the ball in his hands That's on that third and play. short. And then on the fourth and one, the run pass option, uh, you, you want that in your offense. And I know we've talked about mobile versus pocket quarterbacks, but it just reiterates you want that thrower first, but a guy that isn't a statue. I always try and relate things to Nebraska football with 
whatever the quarterback is going to be here, what we think the quarterback's going to be for the next few years and what the quarterback needs to be able to do. And that's interesting to, to hear some of Glenn Thomas's comments, but you, you can't account for it. Now, the, the Niners tried to do their best with, with uh, the, the rush lane integrity. All that said, everyone's in coverage. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three, he pulls it down and takes off, and there's no one home to try and defend him, and that's just deadly for any defense. And it's such a it's such an X factor. And that, to me, quietly was the difference with the Chiefs' offense. Again, we talked about Kelsey getting him more involved. That's a part of it. But another huge part is the fact that the 49ers' pass rush was a lot more dangerous in the first half than they were in the second half. They got the, uh, the one pressure that led to the interception early in the third quarter, other than that, whenever they got pressure, it was it was coverage pressure. It was a little bit different. That's a, a huge difference to me is that the 49ers, and something I talked about last week, that to, to try to take Mahomes out of this game, you had to get after him. They did it well in the first half. In the second half, the Chiefs, credit to their offensive line, protected Mahomes a lot better. Mahomes, to his credit, knew when to, to pull it down and run a lot better. There's a couple designed runs in there that I think helped with that. That was the difference to me in the second half for the Chiefs' offense. They got Kelsey more involved. Mahomes was not as pressured, was not as flustered in the pocket. And you see what happens whenever he is able to be confident and comfortable in that pocket. He's going to pick you apart. We'll have some more thoughts on the Super Bowl. We'll hear from Glenn Thomas, Nebraska's quarterback coach. And uh, Mike chimes in, Mahomes keeping his cool even after the interception was key for sure, Mike. More of your comments in the stream can join us here on Hale Varsity. Hale Varsity YouTube channel is where you go. And huge from the Chiefs defense as well, getting a stop following that interception. Zero points on the board after you give up give up a turnover in your own end of the field. Yeah, both teams really good with keeping uh, points off turnovers. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time at Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Let's try a phone call here as we're doing some uh, creative technical work here. Who's with us? Bruce. Bruce, thanks for calling. Go for it. Brother Chris, how you been, brother? We are good, brother. How are you, Bruce? What do you know? You know, hey, I'm living the dream. I'm a donkey fan, too, as you well know. But, you know, hey, I like watching the Chiefs sometimes. They're fun, you know. Uh, Do you like watching hey, uh, Elway hand that, that title off? You looked right at Elijah when you said Don't laugh. I had to leave the room. I left the room. I'm going to go start packing up my food. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> All look, the way with John. Elway is what I say. It's, but, look, hey, it's man. John. John, why don't you hand us that... Uh, that Super Bowl trophy. He, he had a smile on his face, but you could see his eyes were lifeless. Uh-huh. Oh. You know why? Because that's 17 scotches from quarter one to quarter four. Because Mahomes has overtaken him in Super Bowl championships. Yeah. Bruce, I will shut up. You go for it. Floor is yours. Hey, man, I'll tell you, there's a uh, big kind of, I, I think, a big elephant in the room, okay, that needs to be looked at a little bit um, because I hear everybody talk about, you know, Shanahan now has blown two 10-point leads for Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Hey, the Ravens have done it. The Bills have done it. Okay. The Bengals, eh, they did it once or twice maybe. Okay. Bengals only team to beat KC. The thing is, is that Reed and that whole Kansas City team, okay, they play asymmetrical football. Okay. It's guerrilla warfare out there. It's sandbox football or sandlot football with those guys. It's really hard. And then you get somebody like Shanahan that comes in in the big dance. I mean, the biggest game in the century, okay, for him to play this. He's trying to change things up because he's trying to, like, mix it up like Spurrier tried to do against Nebraska, okay, back in the day. And it's, it's never going to work that way, okay? The only way that 
Kansas City's really gotten dominated is by a real good defense. You know, I mean, just a brutal type of defense that shuts them down completely. But as long as they keep playing this asymmetrical football where Mahomes is out there and he's dancing around and they do their little, you know, their little snow spin thing like they did a couple years ago and all this kind of crap, it's, it's almost impossible to figure out what the heck they're going to do next play, you know. They just kind of go by the wing. It's like, well, let's try this. You know, it it looks that easy, Bruce. Appreciate you you dialing in. Thank you so much for the phone call and love hearing from you. You're not wrong. I mean, they are just impossible to defend. The thing is, and we go back to to the Raiders, that's the the rock bottom for KC. It was Chiefs turnovers, and it was Raiders run game. Raiders run game, Chiefs turnovers. The Aiden O'Connell game. Right, and you go back to, 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 to Joey Heisman, Burroughs win in Arrowhead, right? What happened there? Cincinnati may have got three yards, but Cincinnati ran the damn football on first down, and they held on to the football. That's what you got to do. And to Elijah's point, I mean, you had a a portion of that game where you went away from from running the running the football. Easier said. I mean, Chiefs on paper, you're supposed to be able to run on them. And San Fran started off with that mid zone, and it looked great. And it looked really good. Six, seven yards a pop. And, this drive was awesome. Right? The fumble. I did, briefly here, I did love how Tony Romo, whenever they saw that mid-zone, said, ah, I like to call that the mid-zone. I said at home, I went, Tony, everybody calls that the mid-zone. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just like the ace formation where you got an H-back, got a tight end, and then you just you, you, you cut it back, and there's a hole there. The, the, the back can pick, and you're running downhill because McCaffrey accelerates so well. Not not too shabby. Uh, level of concern, fellas, this weekend, as a few emails came in, we got done with the Saturday morning show about 9.30, and it felt like that things maybe were going to heat up for UCLA and Tony White. I know our dear friend Mitch Sherman put out a tweet that, that White was involved, and I think a Zoom uh, interview took place. The, the Bruins have decided on Deshaun Foster, Nebraska fans exhaling a bit. But when push comes to shove, difficult timing to take a head job. Uh, resources are, are a nightmare at UCLA. And it goes back to what Coach Rule has, has, has told guys that work for him. Yes, I want you to be a head coach, but make sure it is a good job. Make sure it's a right job. Make sure the resources are there. It was probably pretty tempting, uh, and I don't know where Tony White ended up on the pecking order. They went with Foster, former Bruin, super excited, super passionate, great. But it's it's a it's a joke what you're walking into the Big Ten with, and that's the 17th ranked recruiting class. It's a joke that as as ballyhooed a coach as if Chip Kelly is, him leaving a head job in a major conference to go work for his former quarterback at, uh, at Delaware. It, it just seems like it's doomed for failure for UCLA. Yeah, and, and as the weekend went on, you heard a little bit more smoke. The the, the reports coming out today are, oh, well, Foster was the top choice all the way through for UCLA. Foster's the guy that. we got to say yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't believe that. I actually think Tony White was, was most likely the, the top candidate for UCLA, but you would have had to make a really compelling offer financially, more than double what Nebraska was going to be giving him next year whenever you factor in UCLA's, or sorry, California's taxes yeah. and 
UCLA also head coaches of, find assistant coaches are all screwed trying there, to live right? there. Well, once, once you make that offer to Tony, that's what I was going to go with. Do you have enough money for a salary pool? that's going to allow you to remain competitive. And then Tony white, does he strike you as the, uh, the schmoozer that's going to go be able to deal with the NIL folks at UCLA and get them to, to what is the up? NIL like bad by all accounts, yeah, not, not good. good. I think UCLA would have had to come in and make Tony white an offer that he couldn't refuse. And I don't think they were able to do that, and I think they settled on Foster. That seems to me to be, as I read the tea leaves, what I heard this weekend, that seems to me to be what happened, is that UCLA really liked Tony White. UCLA was not able to make Tony White an offer that he couldn't refuse. And I think everybody gets what I'm saying whenever I say that. Come in and make an offer that nobody else was going to be able to make this cycle to Tony White. That's what it was going to take. UCLA was unable to do that. They had to settle on Foster. That's my read on the situation. Tony, here's $9 and here's another... 6.5 6.5 for your assistance. That's the kind of offer that would that, have... That's a yes for about everybody. Yeah. Well, I, I think a part of the Foster hiring, too, and you could say that they settled for him, and I, I've noticed that the word, like, UCLA passion has been thrown a lot, around a lot with him. And I think that's, you know, kind of maybe not in a head coach, but at least somebody on the coaching staff that's going to have to be a part of this rebuild, if you want to call it that, at UCLA, because... We you talked about eight, it last week. Won eight I mean, games last year, though. I know, but at the same time, like now you lose your head coach to an in-conference opponent. You're second on the pecking order to USC, most likely. You're Forever. in a pro sports town. There's so many other factors, I feel like, going against you that all of a sudden an eight-wit team from a year ago is now on a spot where it's like, okay, well, where do we navigate in this hectic Los Angeles landscape while we're moving to a Midwest-dominated conference that has its, you know, established powers. I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. You know what this move strikes me as? It, oh, you picked the, the guy that's passionate for UCLA. All right, you, you, you picked the guy that was easiest to get a yes out of because he cares about UCLA. And I think as you make this move into a new conference, if Foster works out, great. That's awesome. But if he doesn't work out, you give yourself some flexibility down there. You're not making a splash right now late in the cycle with – fewer candidates than you'd like to have having a full coaching carousel to evaluate guys. You know what? If this doesn't work out two or three years down the road, you can cut your losses more easily than if you were to pay the world to Tony White. Well, and let's be honest, though. How buried are you in three years? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Is it? It's a, it's a really tough slash maybe bad job, not brand, but bad job now. What's it turn into in three years if this guy you hire isn't even going to sniff half of what Chip was doing? But let's not forget... You'll have Big Ten money that's rolling that, that's, in. That's fine, but it's still UCLA. Will they screw it up? That's that's uh, the question. We'll wind down to hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. So we put the Tony White situation to bed. We'll get Coach McBride's take on that. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, 10 minutes away. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark, Monday edition, post-Super Bowl edition here on Hale Varsity Radio. Interesting comment. Glenn Thomas uh, met the media today, and this is pretty uh, pretty telling. And uh, you look at what Nebraska faced last year with three different quarterbacks. Uh, Glenn Thomas, too, dealt with three different quarterbacks in Pittsburgh, and uh, he's got uh, some, some grooming to do, cut 13, as we hear from, from Glenn Thomas today, his uh, appearance for Nebraska. Yeah, that that that's been good, bad, or indifferent. That's been a you know consistent in my career. I don't know if that's just football in general. I mean, you think back to even our Brett Baylor years, right? Like 
in 2000, what was that, uh, 17, you know, we had three starters. You know, um, I knew Solomon, Zach Smith, and then Charlie Brewer came in and ended up getting freshman of the year. You know, when I was at UNLV, we ended up playing three guys, and Cameron Friel, you know, ended up getting freshman of the year. You know, so, you know, that's probably the one thing that I've been most proud of in my career as far as anybody that's on the field, the expectation and the standards to play. So I think that's how we'll approach it. It doesn't matter if you're the first you know, first on the depth chart or fifth. I mean, if you're in there, the expectations to play at a high level. Uh, last thought here, cut 29 from Thomas on the pressure and it being a privilege and all the hype and hoopla surrounding Raiola and, uh, well, quarterbacks in today's era. It's like that everywhere. I mean, that's just the position, right? Uh, you know, prefer, pre- pressure is a privilege. You know, that's just what it is at playing that position. So I don't necessarily think you address it. We just you know, try to try to be the best we can possibly be, try to put them in a position to, to be as successful as we possibly can. And, you know, all that other stuff is just part of being, being you know, being at that position. Last quick hit from uh, Glenn Thomas here. The traits, cut 90, looks for in a quarterback. That'll be important. That's a, that's a, that's a loaded question for sure because I don't think there's just one thing, you know. I think you, you have to be aware of what their strength is, you know, if they're a passer or they elite accuracy. You know, if they're an athlete, do they have enough passing ability to get you through a passing situation? You know what I mean? So I think you have to identify what they're really good at. And then is that trait good enough to carry them through? Now, the good ones, you know, like last night, for example, that they do a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? They're athletic enough to make plays off schedule, but they have enough arm talent to, you know, to get you, get you, uh, you know, pass completed on, you know, third and eight. He just nailed it. I mean, you want the athlete, the playmaker, the speedster, the difference maker, at quarterback to go get you that first down. But can that athlete consistently complete the pass, fellas, in a passing situation? Can he stay in the pocket? Can he roll out? Can he go off schedule? Can he can he do all of the above and, and, and get you nine when you need eight if he's if you're calling a pass play? Can he be a quarterback? Is the right. Can he be a quarterback? <laughs> Simply put, just, can, can he execute? Can he I mean you, you said it or you heard him say it almost echoing what we've heard from Rural and Satterfield and almost every single assistant coach. He talked about the standard in that second cut. It's about going out there and performing up to the standard. That is just echoing exactly what you hear from every other member of this coaching staff, and that's what it's about. It's about going out and executing. I, I understand. Quarterback, difficult position, but you heard him say it too. Pressure is part of the privilege of, of playing that. If, if you didn't have pressure, it wouldn't be worth playing in. So whenever you get those pressure-filled moments, go out and execute and go do your job. It's as simple as that. Yep, and uh, it'll be uh, fascinating this spring to see quarterback growth, how much tutoring they get. They're going to put a lot of work into all three and who emerges uh, moving forward. And can uh, Nebraska find a guy to hold on to the football, make some plays, lean on a run game, and have that Tony White defense be as good or better as last year? Coach McBride's next. It's Hour 2 at Hale Varsity Radio. This is Christian Peter. I'm sorry, but the stories I have about Charlie are not appropriate for the public. The right case of the Mondays. It's Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt, a Monday with Charlie, Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, uh, how many wings did you take down yesterday for the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I when they were they were uh, guessing at the uh, 
the, the, um, the scores before the game, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I was listening to the TV, and so I said something like twenty-three to thirteen or something like that. <laughs> so I was I was closest, I think, you know, because everybody was in their thirties and forties. They thought it was going to be a big, big blowout or something, and and, I, and nobody, no, nobody picked the Forty Niners. I I picked uh, I I hedged on one show I predicted Kansas City that's what I'm going with on another show I picked San Francisco so I'm half right I know you picked the Niners Elijah uh, I picked the Niners in, in both shows because you know I yeah, have you're a, a man spine. of in, you're, yeah. you're a man of integrity <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> well I told, I actually didn't I wasn't upset with either one of if somebody had I'll, Either one had one, I'd been fine. I'd have made it through the night without committing suicide or jumping out any windows or anything. But you know? what? You... I didn't. I didn't. I, we, they don't bet around here very much, and uh, I didn't get involved in too much of anything like that. What? What did you think? I mean, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks in your time. Uh, the story was was you know Brock Purdy. Kind of an unknown, Mister Irrelevant. He, he's really played good football. Didn't play bad last night, but Patrick Mahomes just does it all. Man, does it with his arms, does it with his legs, does it with his demeanor. Well, I think they do the right thing with with uh, Brock. I think they uh, really count on their running game to, you know, to be the major part of their offense, which they did. You know, as, as you saw it. And they did a pretty good job of it, I thought, you know. But uh, I think in the long run, you know, they he did he did I think he did a good job. I know that he was under pressure when he threw that one. They kind of said, well, he should have done this or released it later. If he had released it later, he wouldn't have any teeth. And uh, you know, so it was he did he, he played well. I thought. I mean, for what you know it was. You can't sit there and say, well, he lost the game for you. You know what I'm getting at? And uh, like a lot of people would say. Uh, but uh, I thought, I think I think he's, you know, a pretty good, I guess you'd call him a manager. Uh, he's a, That's probably more. He's a, a pretty good manager? <laughs> well, he, he does a good job of, of not making a lot of errors. I know early through interceptions, so do they all. I mean, I think uh, uh, Manning, he might have led the league in interceptions his first or second year. And, you know, so it's not easy. Um, a guy that uh, 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 Dan Mariucci, uh, 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 not Mariucci, but uh, uh, a guy, a friend, a guy that I know does a radio show on Phoenix. Um, he has a he has a clinic and and he had him in his clinic. He had both he had he had Chubba in it too, I think, for a little while. Mm-hmm. But they, he does a good job. He's had a lot of guys playing in um in 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 college and in the NFL, and was a quarterback at Kansas State. So, uh, but I think you know when you see when you see what what he did do when he started running the football the last couple of games. I mean, and he kind of took off with it. He, he made something happen, and I don't know whether that's going to be part of his his thing or not in the future. 
Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Charlie, I want to get your thoughts on a moment that the television cameras caught in the first half. Travis Kelsey goes over to Andy Reid and lets him know what he was feeling in that moment. Maybe a slight body check from Travis. Your guy who's coached high-level football, your guy who's coached some emotional guys in the defensive side of the ball. What's your reaction to that moment? Is that a big deal, or is that something that's been blown up because of the it's, moment being the Super Bowl? I think, it, I think it was backwards. I think the thing actually happened. I think he was trying to get Andy to get upset and get after somebody or do something and um, you know, something like that. I don't think he was mad at something that he did. I think he just wanted them to say something to the team and chew their, you know, tails out because he isn't very, he isn't, he doesn't do that very often, but when he does, he, he means it, you know? And so I think part of it was that, and, uh, you know, I thought the other, only other thing could be is he was trying to steal his girlfriend. that's that's absolutely funny coach mcbride you stay the hell away from taylor right i see you looking up at that box coach (laughs) she is mine all mine you can have ice spice though yeah you (laughs) can have her friends but uh (laughs) that's so good well once you ask him a question he's going to tell you the truth they asked him after the game what what they were saying when they were up there on the stage kissing each other he said i just told her i loved her yeah. you know and went on <laughs> so i mean it's that you know that's probably the whole the whole story in one one word few words <laughs> tell me a little bit about andy reed have you spent any time with yeah. him do you, do you know much about well, andy well larry Cantara, who's a friend of mine at arizona state and and he coached at coached at northern arizona and he, Andy Reid was one of his first assistant coaches, and he knew right then that this guy's really something. So it, it worked out for our, you know, and, and Andy's, Andy's been, always been an offensive guy, and uh, that, you know, and worked that way, and he's, he's, he's a heck of a play caller. And so, you know, he's gotten himself, as years go on, he's seen it all. And uh, so I think that, uh, you know, that he, he probably is going to stay another year or even maybe two, but that'll be the end of that tune. You know, he, he's not going to stay there forever. Just he's, he's, he's getting to be, a, you know, like road hard and put away wet. Sort of. <laughs> well, Coach, whenever you talk about that, that kind of nature he has on the sideline with, with Travis maybe trying to fire him up, is that something to coaching being the, the, the calm, almost the, the voice of reason, the steadying force on the sideline? Because it really feels like Andy Reid's been that for most of his career. I had a buddy back in the day. His name was Jackson. He was a big Eagles fan. And Andy Reid's last year in Philly, the Eagles were having a rough year, and it always used to make Jackson mad that, that Coach Reid would be on the sideline with just a blank look on his face, no emotion. He used to say, well, this guy clearly doesn't care. But that's been Andy Reid's style through his entire career. Well, what, Can you speak on the importance of having that on the sideline? Well, he's he, he as you notice, he's one. You know, he doesn't. He isn't even very loud when he yells. I mean, you know, he's just he's just kind of, you know, what do you think, Chiefs? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but I guess he has blown his sack a few times. And that I learned that way back when he was really, you know, he was really straight with the players, 
and he really, you know, doesn't do it. But when, when he does get upset, it, it makes them move their feet, you know, and, uh, and he, he doesn't do it a whole lot. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that's par with a lot of coaches. I mean, uh, you know, they just, and when they do go off, the players know that they're not fooling around, you know, and that's the way he is. He's a, he's a serious person, but he's also kind of a jokester. <laughs> you really want, want to know. I mean, he'd love to be, he loves to make a game fun. Coach Charlie McBride is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, what did you make of what the Niners did in the second half? We've talked about it a lot here in the first hour. Went away from McCaffrey in the second half, and then obviously uh, they made the wrong decision by taking the ball first in overtime. What are your reactions to that? I had a feeling he might have been dinged a little bit, and uh, he might have had some, uh, you know, some problems physically. Uh, they didn't use him as much in the second half, and that you'll never know that they won't ever they won't ever say anything about that. But you know he's that guy is uh, uh, you know if he if he could stay healthy through the whole year he'd be something else because a lot of times he's playing hurt, and I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't in the second half play hurt a little bit, um, you know. But he he wasn't going to give up then and. You know, knowing his competitiveness, it's always, ever since he was in high school that I knew him, he was always a heck of a competitor in track and and football and things like that. I mean, he was he was uh, uh, way ahead of, 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 of other other players in football. Charlie McBride's with us here at Tale Varsity Radio on Monday with Charlie. Coach, get to switch gears, and there was – uh, Tony White, Nebraska's defensive coordinator, his name was on the, the list for the UCLA job this late in the year. UCLA hired Deshaun Foster, their old running backs coach. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, it's not the first time we've seen Tony White's name on a list and, and Nebraska fans breathing a bit of a sigh of relief because you get another year with Coach White. And I know you've spent time with him and talked with him, but – just speak to, to the UCLA situation. You guys played them a ton. Always a lot of talent, but it never feels like they've kind of lived up to what they could be. And I know it's a it's a tough spot from a standpoint. Well, it's it's first you think UCLA, it's basketball, but all the things that are going on in LA, even in the sporting world, what do you think their prospects look like going into the Big Ten right now? Well, as you know, that uh, UCLA, uh, their basketball goes year-round because their school year is on quarters, I think. And, and what used to be the biggest problem was is they may have played four or five games before they even started their school year. And uh, that was hard because a lot of them spent a lot of time on the beach, <laughs> you know. And when you're not going to school it's uh, and you're in between practices and things like that, they're a little harder to control or, you know. And so, but if you catch them later in the year, you're in trouble because they're really a good football team. They, they've got some really good players. And they've got, of course, they've got, what, 30 million, uh, almost maybe all close to 40 million people in the state. Mm-hmm. And so, so the, the, there's tons of players, and as you know, that goes through everything, volleyball, baseball, 
softball, all of it. You know, there's kids from California playing coast to coast uh, out out there, and uh, I know even Alabama, Florida, and some of those schools have kids from Cal from California. So I don't know if Tony is if a head job pops up, it's not he's going to be forced to go. It's not, you know, you don't just pass up something like that. So it, it's you know you you don't know until somebody else takes the job. But the guy's been there what seven years, mm-hmm. and he knows the area, he knows the people, and it's an easy fit right now. It's Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and I want to flip this around because we haven't talked since since Chip Kelly departed UCLA. He's off to Ohio State, and for Foster getting named at UCLA, that's big. But you look at who Nebraska is chasing in the Big Ten; might be even bigger that Chip Kelly is going to be the Ohio State offensive coordinator. What's your your reaction to that? Chip Kelly leaving sunny Los Angeles to head to Columbus, Ohio, for a pay cut and a coordinator job instead of a head coaching job. Does that seem weird to you as well? Well, there's a lot of coaches that do that. A lot of them have gone to Alabama and been there for twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year and been an analyst or something like that, and then uh, passed it on, and then the next year got a head job and, you know, are gone somewhere. And I think Nick has a little pull on, uh, on you know, around. And uh, I know Duffy Doherty used to have half, half the Michigan State staff was, you know, change over every year. Uh, I, I remember one kid got the Tulsa job. I can't remember his name, but I said, well, how the heck did that guy get the job? He said, I don't know. Duffy was in at lunchtime and somebody called and he yelled, who's in the office? And, he, he, and the guy said, I am. And he said, you want the Tulsa job? And he told him and they took him. You know, then, of course, that's in those days. But, he, you know, he was a hot coach where everybody went through. And Nick's, Nick's a guy right now that um, – uh, you know, got it. I think somebody told me the other day that Kevin Steele went, you know, back there and in Tennessee offered him a million bucks to come out of retirement. And I think Nick ended up paying 1.9 million yeah. for one year and something like that, which is, uh, you know, not a bad deal for a retirement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, so, it feels like Chip just wants to call plays. Now, he left uh, the, the head spot at a program at UCLA, but it sounded like, as some of the, the folks who cover the Bruins put it, just a bad marriage that went worse. So this this change right. is something for, for UCLA, but hey, there's well, he familiarity the with problem, a little, You know, with the Philadelphia nose stacked up on top of each other, he probably was said, I, you know, I'm getting older, I've had enough of this, I just want to coach football and you know, and, and so forth. And he's probably made a good buck and is not too worried about the prices right now. You know, Coach, we'll uh, check in with you next Monday. We'll get closer to spring football and we'll, uh, we'll talk some more ball with you next Monday. Thanks for a few minutes. Always love talking okay. football with you. Okay, guys, what are we going to do with no football now? We'll, we'll, make, to... we'll make something up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. That's pretty good. Quit talking to my girlfriend. <laughs> That's what pissed off Travis with Andy Reid. Jay Moore, the Black Shirt Hour, continues. Jay Moore with us next on Hale Varsity. 
All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. The Blackshirt Hour continues. Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore with us at Moore 44 and can catch him on Big Red Wrap-Up as co-host, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark uh, in as well, Chris Schmidt. Bird, it, it started as a, uh, a slow burn on the 4th of July for that artillery shell, and then all of a sudden a, a show happened with the Super Bowl. What would you think? Yeah, it was a great game. It was low scoring, you know, two really good defenses. The 49ers defense showed up uh, early in that game. You know, the first couple games, the playoff games, they had very slow starts. So they got off to a really, really good start and really had that the Chiefs, you know, offense confused, upset. Uh, you have, you know, Kelsey bumping into Andy Reid in the sidelines, chewing them out. Uh, people aren't, aren't happy. And it could have been, you know, McCaffrey, had, you know, obviously has that fumble in that first drive. You know, kind of a tale of, you know, what 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 could have been mm-hmm. and obviously with the miscues on special teams and the, the blocked you know the blocked extra point and then the fumble if you want to call it a fumble uh, the muff punt i know i hit the guy's foot and he didn't even know it um a pretty good job of being alert on by mcleod to try to pick it up you'd like to see him maybe fall in that scenario but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fun to see a game you know it's a really really good game were really two plays define the game, in my opinion. That was those two plays. It was it was the missed extra point in that in that field goal. So special teams, right? And those always come down to close games, just being almost the, the deciding factor. If it's not going to be turnovers, um, if they make the extra point, that game's vastly different. Mm-hmm. Knowing they have to go down and get six, and not you know can kind of take their time, and they know they have the best kicker. Uh, one of the best kickers in the league. Uh, he's been money all year. You have him in your back pocket. Uh, and then, you know, with the fumbled punt, the muff punt, they score the next play. And they really hadn't gotten anything going all game. And all of a sudden, with momentum flips, switches right there. But just a fantastic game. I mean, Purdy was good. Mahomes struggled a little bit, but then kind of got it going a little bit. Play call in fourth and one, I love just that option to him to try to throw it out to the right. You know, they take it away, he can run, and he does. He just made plays. Mahomes made plays when he needed to. He just finds a way. Year in and year out, the guy finds a way, whether he's hurt or not. Uh, he didn't have, you know, this by far wasn't the best Chiefs team that they've had. But the defense was was really, really good, and – they found a way, and just a, two, a few too many mistakes by the 49ers and special teams. But you telling me you get you get a five quarter game in Vegas for the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I'm, I'm a little biased. Uh, I was biased towards the 49ers. I wanted them to win. We had some nice parlay bets going that, <laughs> that uh, we were looking to hit for. But uh, it was a, it was a it was a really good, uh, really really good Super Bowl. And you know, I know there's. There's a lot of frustrated anti-Chiefs fans out there, but <laughs> I tell you what, they, they deserve this one. They went to the playoffs. They went to the gamut, and they came out in the at the end of it squeaky clean, right? And uh, Like Shawshank. 
you know. And, <laughs> no uh, kidding. <laughs> so it was a good game. I'm, I'm happy with. Obviously, one of the 49ers win, but uh, just the entertainment value and in the the top. You know, the, the really, really good football that was played was, was fun to watch. So, real quick, part of the Super Bowl festivities, we're all kind of whining today about how uh, how we feel from overeating well, yesterday. Well, one thing to note with that slow first half, it was kind of the perfect time to do it because you can go up and grab some food, yeah. you can go grab a beer. Oh, if you're at a punting Super Bowl party, again. you can yeah. actually make some casual conversation so it's not just focusing on I mean, the it game. It wasn't really anything different for Big Ten fans. So. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Husker fans are all used to that yeah. kind of game. Uh-huh. That was exciting. But food-wise, I mean, uh, apparently Junior made a pizza for you from Lazari's. Apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a nice little spread. I had a former teammate of mine come over, and uh, he has some kids that are the same age as mine, so uh, let them – Play all the video games and do whatever. Play basketball in the front in the front uh, driveway while we watched football. And yeah, we had Lazari's pizza, we had chicken nachos from Bison Witches, and then we had wings from Slim Chickens, mm. plus a nice assortment of beverages as well. So <laughs> uh, we, uh, I think, all our boxes were kind of checked for, you know, Super Bowl food, pizza, nachos, wings. I mean, what else? What else could a guy want? That's fair. No, I mean. I'm trying just just an invite. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. But you know, no, I, I we're, we've talked a lot about the you know the the, the smorgasbord we've all kind of sewered and uh, inhaled the, the last twenty four hours. It was it was a good time. It was it was. And, and Jay, somebody who was not having a good time for about five seconds in that game last night was Andy Reid when Travis Kelsey Let's came over there. to him. I do want to go there. You briefly brought it up. Connor and I were talking before the show. We both think it's a little bit overblown, the, the reaction to this moment. It's an emotional in the moment. moment. It was awful. Was it, though? Yeah. I remember watching and saying, like, that's a guy that is frustrated. Was, yeah. He's being underutilized in the offense. He wants to let his head coach know in a very high-pressure moment that – He's upset with how this game is being called. And I think Travis Kelsey, through the past decade of his career, has earned the right to voice his frustrations to Andy Reid like that. It, I think I, if, Kel- if Kelsey's with a less patient, tolerant coach as, as Big Red, you know, Kelsey's talent speaks for itself. But Big Andy, you know, Big Andy's kind of helped nurture that talent. It's one thing to, like, yell. And you can do that from a few feet away, Jay Bird. But not only to, like, scream – Drunken what? What cover charge? I mean, that's what it looked like. I mean, to, to me, and then bump him like he's on the ice, and it's uh, you know, there's a puck to go after. But, but to me, it's one thing if it's Pacheco doing that. It's another thing entirely if it's your Hall of Fame tight end that's already helped you win two Super Bowls. He looked like a kid in Toy Isle number four. It, my my issue with it, this isn't the first blow up Kelsey's had in the sidelines. Right, year. I don't remember if it was in the playoffs. Raiders or spiked his late, helmet. Yep. Yeah, he slammed his helmet down. Andy Reid chewed his butt, his, his tail off there too. So, I think there's there's Listen, Travis Kelsey has all the respect in the world, one of the best to do it. Uh, Andy Reid, one of the best to do it. But I think there's got to be some respect. In my opinion, he I know it's, it's, it's a passionate football game and you're frustrated. But, I mean, come on, have a little self-control. And this is not – I mean, again, this is not the first time this has happened. And all that passion and energy that he has, that he showed there, is why he's so good. But at the time – I mean, it was a little overboard for me, to, to be honest. It's not like, used come to seeing it. Have, not used to seeing it. Have some self-control. And you know, if it's one thing on the sideline, especially right there off the field, 
maybe pull them off to the side, bring them back to buy the, you know, where the equipment stuff, you know, the extra helmets are and be like, Hey, get me the mother effing ball. And you do it right there. Right. You don't need it. You know, it's again, I've never been in that situation where I've been in the Super Bowl, heated. I get it. But to me, it's just, you got to stay a little more calm. It wasn't a great look by any means. Not, I mean, bumping your coach, but he about knocked him over. Uh, so he's, I'm sure he's, you know, a little embarrassed about this situation. I don't know if he's apologized or He not. didn't post game he on the podium. Yeah, on mm-hmm. the media session, my fault. I mean, they're good. And, and I'm sure oh, yeah. behind closed doors, Reed will just say, dude, appreciate you. Not again. You know, he'll, he'll, they're fine. Yeah. Because yeah. Reed can handle it. But totally. It's the relationship that they have. And it's a different situation to me if Travis Kelsey doesn't go and have the second half that he does where, you know what, you do get in the ball and the offense does look different. That's, that's my take is I think my opinions may be swayed a little bit because, well, maybe Travis was right. He, I mean, he wasn't wrong. No, I mean, he, he wanted to be in blocking on that play because his, his backup missed the block. There's the strip. You you know, get get the football inside the 10 and you fumble going in trying to take a 7-3 lead. Yeah, it's, it's a tough – it's always a, an interesting discussion, right? A, a player-coach interaction on the sideline of the biggest game of the year by, by you know, nothing's bigger than the Super Bowl. So, Did, he apologized. It is what it is. They're, they, you know, who? they get it. They get another championships and – See if he comes back again. I mean, there's been talk of uh, retirement, and he's been doing this for a long time. Does he want to come back for to try to, you know, get a get a three peat? I don't know. They'll, they'll they'll try for three. I think of the three coaches you played for, Bo, mm-hmm. Billy C, and Fearless Frankie. What coach of the three would you have feared a reaction from had Jay Moore lost it and went <laughs> and hip checked one of the three? Oh my gosh! Uh, at Nebraska, probably Bo <laughs> yes. easily. But I would say I was thinking even like you know NFL career. I mean, a guy if someone did that to Mike Singletary, I would say yeah, mm-hmm. Iron Mike. You wouldn't live to tell I mean, the there's tale. No way. I mean, he, I mean, he <laughs> kicked Vernon Davis off the field in a game. Uh, you know, in his first or second year of the, being the head coach. So, but oh, definitely Bo. Yeah, Bo. Bo for sure would have. He would have. He has that southpaw. He might have. He might have caught one with that with that left hook. Is it? Is it? I mean, is it the? Uh, the does he go with those Fargo eyes? Like you know, you, oh, the the wood gosh. chipper guy in Fargo looks a lot like Bo in the face. He's looking right through you. Yeah. <laughs> like he is looking right through. I could just see. I could just see it. You know that that look. He, we all don't know that look. Here's, I mean, here comes Youngstown. Yeah, exactly. There's so many pictures out there of. Him yelling at referees or Taylor Martinez or whatever it was. Uh, that uh, he, uh, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to make him mad. It don't take much either. You know, you know, <laughs> to, to piss off both. So you go, Very you go crucial on the sidelines and yell at him, man. That would be, mm. that'd be, that would be a scene. 
More with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL, or the Blackshirt Hauer, Hail Far City Radio, Christian Mid Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Well, Quote of the century there from Jay just don't, now. It don't take <laughs> much, much to piss off Bo. That's good. Uh, we'll check in uh, other side here with Jay. We're up against a hard time here. So, reminder about buckling up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT. Highway Safety Office, so uh, here at Click, and uh, be safe if you're out uh, motoring around. Also, uh, you've got uh, pro volleyball going on, and uh, that is so important for the uh, city of Omaha and the state of Nebraska, the Supernovas, in action and be a part of the incredible experience, CHI, of course, their venue, and uh, be a part of the Supernovas and do so get your single match or season tickets today. Log on supernovas.com. Jay Moore continues with us here on Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Blackshirt Husker NFL or Jay Moore. Jay, when you look at the second half, and Elijah and I were talking about this earlier, the play calling on San Francisco's side. They went away from the run a lot in that second half. What did you make of that? And if you're in that, you know, head coaching position, what do you do differently in, in the next two quarters? Well, it's hard because they leaned on McCaffrey big time. I mean, he was all that first drive and utilized him in the past game as well. You got this, I know when they come out in the second half, they try to throw it. Uh, and I think Romo was kind of questioning. And that's right. It's like you got to run the ball. And I know they have a backup running back too, but – I kind of think they were like, let's let's give let's give McCaffrey just a couple series off here. Let's try to utilize something else because we're going to have to lean on him hard in the late in the third quarter, in the fourth, in, and then in overtime. And they did. They got back to utilizing McCaffrey. I mean, that one drive, he was exhausted. He's like, I need one playoff. He saw him raise one finger up, like, give me a playoff because I mean, they were toss, stretch, counters. You know, they had him in motion. They tried to utilize him in the past game. I mean, that was this game plan was centered around Christian McCaffrey. So I think part of that was they wanted to just maybe let's just throw a little wrinkle in there, give give McCaffrey a, a little bit of a rest here because they know they're going to have to lean on him hard in the, in the second half. But they got back to it. I, I think I don't think the game ends much differently if they, if they just kept going McCaffrey left, McCaffrey right. I think it still just comes down to the fact that they missed an extra point and they, they muffed the punt. I mean, that's honestly what that, that game came down to was those two special teams' mistakes. Well, Jay, I think maybe we, we disagree slightly here because I, I think Kyle Shanahan, he's had bad history in the second half of, of his Super Bowls. First, blowing the lead with the Falcons, and then blowing the lead against the Chiefs the first time around. He, he seems to have blown a lead again. I think the biggest discredit to, to, to Shanahan last night was taking the ball first in overtime. Uh, and yep. you have, you had quotes from the 49ers postgame. Juszczyk said, I don't understand the strategy there. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs very much understand the strategy. They've been talking about that all year long, that, you know, if the playoffs come around, we want the ball second in overtime because we're going to have four plays to pick up a first down, knowing the situation, knowing what we need to get. I feel like you can put something on Shane in there from the, the third quarter play calling, which was rough, pulled it back together in the fourth quarter, but then choosing to take the ball first in overtime, I think is just uh, one of the deadly sins that you can't commit as a coach. You have to know the situation. You have to know the strategy, and he chose wrong there. I mean, the play calling it is what it is. It's again, it, you're gonna have you're gonna have a stretch where your things aren't going the way you want. I mean, they're they're a good football team on the side, right? And they're a really good defense. I 
but as far as overtime, like that, the rules there caught me off guard too. I was like, wait a minute, what'd they say? Because I had completely forgot. And it sounds like even some of the 49ers players were not aware of regular season overtime versus playoff overtime. Yeah, knowing that, it's like, it's just like college. You always want to be, you always want to be on defense first. So you know what you're working with once you get the ball. Do I need a touchdown to tie or a field goal to win mm-hmm. or tie? Um, obviously, they get the they get the field goal there, and now you know uh, exactly what what Mahomes and company has to go down and do. So, yeah, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. I just don't know if communication was made or if Shanahan was confused. Or I'm pretty sure that the referee, the head guy, came out and said, reminded everyone, like, hey, no matter what, everyone gets two possessions or a possession, even if 49ers score a touchdown first, because obviously in over, in regular overtime rules. You score a touchdown first, game's over. You kick a field goal, the other team gets another chance. But even if the 49ers scored a field goal or a touchdown, the Chiefs were able to come back and counter that. Um, I just don't know if that was overlooked or, or what. I don't know. I, I mean, even 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 when they took the ball first and they kicked it, I kind of almost think like, man, maybe we go for it here. And because we just know Mahomes, last thing you want to do is give Mahomes a chance, right? So yeah, that was a mistake. The play calling, you can it is you can you can dig down and, and I'm not as uh, judgmental on that. I just, the, but the not, but taking the ball first in overtime. Yeah. That's, I think, I think some community, a communication error happened and someone was confused in the whole situation, which is unfortunate in the biggest game of the year. Jay Moore is with us at tail varsity radio, black shirt, Husker NFL or Jay Moore at Jay Moore 44 on Twitter co-host big red wrap up. Jay going to go to uh, some Nebraska thoughts. You, Guys had your your signing day special last week for Big Red wrap up. A thought on Nebraska, and then to, to couple that, uh, a chance to hear from from Coach Glenn Thomas today, and sounded uh, sounded really uh, ready for for the moment. And, and why shouldn't he be? He's been in the NFL and he's been in college for a lot of his career. But but touch on both those topics, starting with signing day. Yeah, it was a nice just kind of put a bow on everything. And that show is so difficult to do because there's like 36 guys you have to talk about. And it's a gap, <laughs> right? You have, you have them in December. You have the guys, whether they're early enrollees, transfers. And then, then you have the guys that sign in February, which not a lot of them. But the transfers right, that come in as well uh, during that time frame. So it's a lot of guys you just kind of have to get familiar with and, and try to get words out on them and describe their play and, in, in such a, a fast time. But I think, again, just a very well put together class. Obviously, Dylan Raiola um, leading that, uh, Carter Nelson, Grant Bricks, uh, Preston Tuamua, you know, the old lineman from Hawaii. I think he's a really, really good player. He's going to be a fantastic player. Uh, you get your quarterback, you get some really good O line talent. Uh, you spring, you know, wide receivers, they took care of that. You know, they're obviously depth issue was a, was a concern last year. And, and, just with injuries, it was an issue. So they kind of checked that box, whether it was in the transfer portal or out of the signees. But you just look all overall, I mean, talent from the state of Texas, talent from the state of Florida, uh, just speed, athletes, uh, long. Uh, you know, you, you can see exactly what Matt Rule wants, and he wants long, athletic guys. And those are those are great guys to have to make a football team out of. So I think – very directional, very intentional on what on what Matt Rule wants to do, and let's be honest, I I, I believe in his eye of talent and his judgment of talent because you see you saw so many guys come in, especially on defense, play in year one. Cam Lenhart, mm-hmm. uh, Princewell, 
Uh, Riley Van Poppel plays as a true freshman. He didn't even come in the he wasn't even here during the spring. So I think understanding the talent and kind of the programs are part of, but once they get on campus, the ability to develop them very, very quickly is is very evident. And I think that can be used as a plus going forward in the recruiting realm because it's like, listen, we're gonna get you ready to play. You know, we might not plan on you playing right away, but if you have to play, we're going to get you ready. And I think that was very, very evident last year. Uh, but as uh, with Coach Glenn coming forward, I thought, you know, his comments on, you know, pressures, you know, pressures being a, a true freshman quarterback and the pressures being on Dylan Riola, and it's just like pressure is a privilege. Uh, and that's – I couldn't agree more. I think I said that, you know, that same term a few weeks ago when I was chit-chatting with you guys. I think that's – you know, you want that pressure. You know, and you want those eyes. You want the attention. If you don't, then you're probably not going to be pretty darn. You're not going to be pretty good mm-hmm. uh, as a player. It just takes a it takes a special person to want that and appreciate that pressure and kind of know it and, and kind of flip the perspective. Because some people are like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine having all these eyes and all these people on me. It's like you got to You got to It takes a different breed to to handle that. And I think Dylan Rael is going to be a guy to to, to handle that. And um, but he knows. The nice thing is is you know, with Coach Satterfield, kind of was his. He was kind of spread thin last year, mm-hmm. so it's hard to communicate with the quarterbacks. Have the off the, the offensive system in place. Now the quarterbacks have a guy to to go. And I know he's kind of co OC, but I, Coach Glenn is he is the he is a QB's coach. So there's only three of them on the roster currently. You know, two of them are two freshmen, and the other one's Heinrich Harburg. So those three guys are gonna get plenty of attention from from Coach Glenn this spring. Jaybird will get caught up again next week. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes and always fun to talk some ball with you. Yeah, you got it, boys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out uh, on a Super Bowl Monday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Hale Varsity. Powered by Cornhead Lager. And uh, be sure to get the podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play could also watch the show. Subscribe to uh, our show and all the content, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and that's press conferences, post games, uh, lots of good coverage by Herd at Sports and Hale Varsity. Guys, uh, pretty good uh, 24 hours of sports with the Husker women. Uh, the good news on UCLA going a different direction if you're a Nebraska football fan. Glenn Thomas, his uh, first statements today. And, oh, yeah, Super Bowl 58, a thriller in overtime. We covered it all. And we didn't even hit on Nebraska. Their big win over Michigan on Saturday afternoon, the Husker made. big wins over Michigan. Yeah, it's not that I'm forgetting Nebraska. It's just that, I mean, they, they, they rolled a really bad team and good for them. Yeah, they, they Comparatively did what was Comparatively to what has happened since then, mm-hmm. I completely understand you know they, they, they did what was expected of them the best I, I, news, I do think though that didn't didn't you pick michigan to cover on the show probably Friday? but i also picked nebraska for the outright win against iowa that is true so we're even that is <laughs> yeah. true he said i think and i both said by three the niners you're also a spineless coward that both picked the chiefs and the niners i don't <laughs> no, want to let gonna, that go, go by the way i'm gonna go with the average joe take uh <laughs> of course you are on, on, on you know last <laughs> thursday's podcast we're dropping a pod tonight uh, that should uh, be uh, entertaining and insightful and uh, above average. Let's hear from Glenn Thomas real quick. And he talks about black and white versus the gray area. That issue with uh, with young quarterbacks, with old quarterbacks, cut 17 here from Glenn Thomas as he talked 
uh, quarterback development today for Nebraska football? Well, you just don't want to create as much gray, right? You start creating gray and all this, the complexity, you know, in today's de- uh, defense, it shoot even our guys, right? I did, Tony does a great job on that side. There's so much complexity and the defense, you start creating gray, you create uncertainty as far as what the quarterback's thinking. They're not going to play fast or play confident. So the more that you can create black and white, finite decisions, the, the, the more confident they're going to play and the better they'll play. Cut 15 here. This is great. Love this question. Hey, dude, uh, what about the, the portal era? Does that affect how you coach quarterbacks? No, I don't think so. At the end of the day, you got to, whether it be a Saturday to a Saturday, you got you to make them the best they can possibly be when the, when the ball your ball snaps. So I don't. Th- you you can't look long term. You just gotta build build the best uh, quarterback you can, if you will, that given weekend. How many coaches live in fear of killing themselves to get that that stud quarterback, only to worry about hanging on to said quarterback? I don't think you can live sanely like that. I don't think you can either. But I think a lot of coaches do. Because the problem is, is you think you got your next dude and he can be out the door in a practice session, <laughs> which is awful. three-hour window. Yeah, you, you wonder why all, you know, why, why is so-and-so, you know, Carson asked me this. Junior said, Dad, why is, why is Pretty had such a good year? I'm like, well, he had a good college career, but guess what? He stayed in college to work and get better. He stayed to develop. He didn't leave after not winning a job during the spring as a true freshman and then kept on job hopping. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be a better fit. What Russell Wilson did to go to Wisconsin was not wrong. You know what Chubba Purdy's done to go where he's landed. And I've lost track. Is it Nevada? Believe so. Okay. So I hope he plays and plays well. And uh, we'll see where Nebraska goes with their quarterback situation. Back tomorrow at four, Matt Verzel, Matt Schick, and Mitch Sherman at 4 tomorrow. Thanks.